Hey folks, and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing... Total Recall, directed by Paul Verhoeven, The Big Lebowski by Joel and Ethan Cohen, Everything Everywhere All at Once by Dan Kwan and Daniel Schienert, The Northman by Robert Eggers, and The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, directed by Tom Gormican. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Mr. Vincent Daly, how we doing, buddy? Thomas, how's it going? It's going good, buddy. How was your uh, week of uh, movies, Vin? Oh, week was man. It seemed like a pretty good week. It was. It was a great week. Uh, very, very solid movies, and just back from the depths of hell of the last couple weeks. You know, it, it, was, is... it was a tough couple <laughs> weeks for you. We only had two movies above fifty, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and just like you know, I mean, it was it was a fun idea to watch. Uh, uh, you know, filling out the lows uh, like we like we. Like I love, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. But uh, it was just nice to get back to something that I I wanted to kind of uh, rave about. I wanted to right, right. kind of uh, go go into and, and unpack what what I thought was was good with it. And uh, almost every one of these films uh, really are are top performing. So very happy to to go into these this week. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good list. Definitely think we'll have some heavy hitters here and a couple of ones that I'm excited for and three new movies too, mm-hmm. which is rare. I mean, usually we yeah, have one, maybe two. Yeah. So three like literally in theaters now films, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to start with, we're kind of on a pair, Paul Verhoeven kick, which the first movie we did was um, Robocop, Robocop, which was, uh, didn't live up to his reputation <laughs> as far as we're concerned. But this is 1990. This is Total Recall, directed by Paul Verhoeven. Yep. What do we have with this? So we got lost there for a minute, and uh, we are back <laughs> on the Verhoeven train uh, again, just as a reminder, because that was now three podcasts ago uh, that we covered Robocop. The idea here is to cover... Verhoeven's work from RoboCop to Starship Troopers. It's a five-movie stretch that has some really iconic works, uh, and yeah. Verhoeven is a director that I I like a lot. Uh, I, I like his style um, that that's in there, and trying to unpack that a little bit. Total Recall uh, definitely has a lot, a lot of style. Uh, <laughs> this movie is a story inspired by Philip K. Dick, uh, which is, um, in case you don't know, a very 
very prolific sci-fi author. Um, of course, do uh, Android's Dream of Electric Sheep is the inspiration for Blade Runner. Uh, I actually forget what this story is 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 called, titled, but okay. a lot of the times his short stories will be then expanded upon for full movie releases, and Total Recall is definitely one of them. Oh, okay, all right. Which is, for me, a recipe for success uh, as far as sci-fi is considered, uh, or as, as far as sci-fi is concerned. Douglas Quaid is played by Arnie himself. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, <laughs> yes, sir. Milk is for baby. I drink, <laughs> I drink beer. <laughs> uh, he is an average man in the year uh, 2084. Uh, he works in construction. He has an absolute smoke show of a wife played by Sharon Stone. <laughs> She's so beautiful. It's oh, crazy. my God. She's uh, crazy beautiful. I know. Uh, but uh, something doesn't feel quite right for, for Arnie, for, uh, for Quaid. You see, his life is being manipulated from the shadows, uh, really mentally, socially, and probably most importantly, emotionally. Quaid is being gaslit into something he's not. And this kind of social engineering, this manipulation is really the root and what I love the most about this film because it is filled with twists and turns and really creates a, a unique story that even in a modern watch uh, is, you know, through me, you know, I've seen this film before. Yeah. And it was still kind of throwing some twists and turns towards my oh, way. Oh, good. You know, That's or at good. least appreciation even on additional watches. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's, it's holding up too. Mm-hmm. It's good. That's good that it's holding up. Exactly. As far as what he is, what Arnie is, uh, is giving you one of the best rated R sci-fi action films you can watch. This is a phenomenal wow. movie. Really? I really do love Total Recall. It is a top-notch experience. First half of this film is just absolutely dynamite. So many twists and turns that keep this story unique. Uh, I really don't want to go in. I mean, even you know, at minute 30, we get the full reveal of of what this story is about, but I, it, there's, there's just such a incredible enjoyment that if you have not seen Total Recall, really go into this blind. Uh, it's getting a, a very good recommendation from me, uh, or at least a solid recommendation from me okay and I don't want to I don't want to go into much more of the story for that reason if I could talk about some of the story structure I would say unfortunately the second half kind of hits more of a generic kind of straightforward story but uh, the combination of these two sides is really my point in, in what I want to come across with this film for Total Recall, the original, that is. There is a remake later on in the in the 2010s, yeah. that I think with Colin Farrell, right? Uh, something like that. Okay. That was around like when they remade Dread. And, oh, it was one of those. Uh, yeah, it was one of those. Was it Colin yeah. Farrell? I, I think they remade it. RoboCop around the time, too. Yeah, so. they did. Yeah, RoboCop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just scraping the barrel. For a modern watching, I think these twists and turns are why this movie stands apart from the massive amount of sci-fi 80s action uh, and even the massive amount of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies you could be watching from this era. Right, uh, right. Yeah, so. this is like heavy time for him. Mm-hmm. This is big. I mean, he is one of the biggest stars at the time. Yeah, if I'm correct, this is 90 on the dot. This is 90 on the yeah, dot, yeah. Yeah, so as far as our action star, that's a good transition. Uh, we couldn't be farther from my critiques of RoboCop because we are dealing with Arnold goddamn Schwarzenegger. Uh, <laughs> he is so, he has so much more life in this uh, than what we saw with Weller in RoboCop. And even the handful of cheesy lines that 
that probably both uh, iconic action stars are going to be uh, saying after a kill or after a punch or, or, or maybe a literal punchline. Uh, it comes off with so much more star power with uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it, would you say like overall believability too of the character? Yeah, I mean even when it's silly, like. I don't know. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's just able to sell it more. Like, there's <laughs> yeah. more charm okay. there. Uh, it, it's kind of an odd thing to credit to an actor, but again, uh, just, just a quick flashback to my critique with RoboCop, where lifelessness was really the cornerstone there. Yeah. Uh, you were not of, a fan. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and boring uh, in, in, in such a such a such a movie central to action, Arnold is just a total 180 on this. And that star power, though it may not be something that can say as a universal criticism for actors, I think it is something we have to talk about with one of the biggest action stars being yeah, big Schwarzenegger. Time. Huge, you know yeah, I mean? big time. Exactly. And wow, is Sharon Stone awesome in this? I cannot wait uh, to touch on Basic Instinct coming up next on the Verhoeven. Yeah, uh, little little film study. She plays into such manipulation in this. I really just love her role. A true femme fatale in this. Just so, so cool as ice. Uh, I love her. And, and again, uh, absolutely gorgeous. She's beautiful. Yeah, it's like crazy. Stunning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, crazy. Yeah, I would say this is a standout role. Uh, of course, uh, Stone is amazing in films like Casino. I would say Basic right, Instinct yeah. coming up is probably going to be her most iconic. I would add this to this uh, because she is not a bit role here. Uh, she has a interesting development. Yeah, she's and, pretty major character. Yeah, in this film. exactly. And she's definitely in this not in like the nineteen ninety period here. She's a huge. She's a pretty damn big actress. As well. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. She's a powerhouse. Absolutely. In her own right. um, yeah, I mean, I just just really happy with her performance is here uh, and there, there's a slew of kind of not, not repeat offenders or, or, or <laughs> usual suspects but the typical actors that Verhoeven leans on throughout this film sprinkled in and then of course we'll see in other films and what we're going towards with Starship Troopers as, as kind of the end destination here. Okay. So, okay. This story has what I love though about movies like Truman Show uh, there is some sort of foreboding presence and we as the audience can tell something is wrong, even on a first watch, mm-hmm. something feels off, and it is there's almost a game like aspect to the movie that alongside of our main character, we are trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And there's so much enjoyment for that unpacking. So is that kind of where you don't really want to touch on actually just even the, the summary yeah. of it a bit because it's it's something to be enjoyed, exactly, and, and figure it out as you're watching. And, and I'm talking like double-digit twists and turns, and I don't even want to spoil a single one because part of the enjoyment in this film, and I think why it's, again, my, my point in this standing up in a modern-day watch and mm-hmm. even being a, a very cheesy action film uh, in parts, it it has just such an abundance of these. I think it has a wow factor to, to a modern-day It keeps day you on watching. your toes, keeps yeah. you on the edge of the seat a little bit. Absolutely. It keeps you guessing, basically. Yeah. 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 That, that, yeah. So it's very solid. I, I would say if I really have to. Uh, kind of tone back some of my some of my praise for this uh, the the dated aspect of some of those cheesy action lines. Uh, well, he- here's what I would guess: oh, sure. like how yeah, the cheesy. How really is the script? I would say how are the practical effects or just the effects in general, mm-hmm. and then how is the? It, I'm assuming very heavy '80s soundtrack still. Yes, it's only 1990, so we're still like that. That's a good way to break it down. I would say script 
is where that's going to be hurt a little bit. Yeah. We're going to get some really, I mean, but but it's Arnold kind of sells these lines. Like they got legit laughs out of me, and I'm not laughing at it. Believe me, I know you're what laughing. I'm laughing at it. <laughs> uh, <The> Catwoman, Catwoman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was laughing the Catwoman constantly. Yeah, but there's um, he. I can't. I don't know. I don't know what else to to say. Okay. He sells right. it. He Arnold. He's definitely goofy, but like you can see, the character is almost enjoying the little bit of goofiness to it. He's uh, in on it a little bit. Yeah. Which is extremely helpful. Exactly. Yeah. So, like I said, I think if I had to just boil it down to something, I think star power really sells yeah. it. Brutality, uh, practical effects, absolutely a standout. This actually oh, got Oscar nominations for special effects, and I believe a special achievement years later as and, well. And is it it's all practical effects? Like no yes. real like early, early CGI or anything like um, that? Or digital? Uh, more, maybe some landscapes are early CGI, but they look good. Okay. Uh, and Verhoeven's practical effects and uh, more specifically the blood work and the, the violence that was definitely a highlight in RoboCop mm-hmm. is once again on full display here. Cool. And not that the two movies have to compete, very different stories, uh, sure. but if you're looking for that really capital R, rated R action uh, of, of this time period, late 80s, early 90s, uh, this, this all right takes there. the cake. It's yeah. everything that RoboCop is and better. You cool. Know? Well, all right, all right. Um, music? Yeah, music, uh, yeah. I would say 50-50. Um, okay. Better than completely bad. Yeah, first half is really good because it kind of plays into that paranoia. But there's definitely some weird, you know, they go into a bar at one point and it's, you know, it's like, I don't it's... even know who composed it. <laughs> okay, like, okay. You know what I mean, I'll hop on GarageBand and I can I can make it, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little rough. So it's not overly synthy. Yeah. Uh, no, I would say it's definitely synthy. Oh, okay, yeah. right. Okay. Yeah, this is prime late 80s, you know, even if it's 90 on the dot, this is. That definitely... was my fear yeah i'm trying to think what if, if, it worked? if it's, if it's 50 good, 50 that's that's good yeah it's 50 50 i would say it's definitely nothing that detracted uh from my enjoyment of the film okay uh so i would say really the the cornerstone of what we're focusing on verhoven for uh is kind of a building theory that i have that Verhoeven's trademark in his directing is his world building, particularly through media around our characters. Yeah, you were very much, you were talking about this a lot in RoboCop. And, yes. s- and setting that up because it's something that he does, he likes to do. Exactly. Yeah, the world building. Uh, and, and not to try to find the conclusion I want through this, through this kind of study, but uh, in in Starship Troopers, that's key, central to the satire. Uh, him creating okay. new segments, commercials, uh, and and central to, to how he's crafting that world gotcha and, and I would really say it's on great display here we have very deep a uh, very deep sci-fi world to catch up on and none of it hits any snags because guess what it's also trying to be a top line blockbuster rated R action film okay, in, the, okay. in 1990 um, we're talking concepts like com- everything from commercial space travel to cosmetic memory altering to mutants to alien ruins I mean all of this is tackled through visual storytelling in the film uh, and none of it lags the main action plot which is just so is so much easier said than done this is in handled in 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 less competent hands this would be 
so easily derailed and get up its own, you know, up, up its own rear end around I, well, this. No, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it could be a very, very. It, it could easily be a very bad movie mm-hmm. and come off cheesy elements like this. Exactly. Yeah, there was almost a morbid curiosity to watch that remake, Total Recall, to see how they would want to mm. make it too serious or something like that. And any serious director in that one? Or I actually don't know off the top of my head. Maybe, I know it's called may, Feral. Maybe I think. okay. Maybe and, a fun episode would. Be, be to go through these <laughs> All rated the R action remake yeah. kind of. Yeah, I would love to is, revisit Dread. Dread's a good one. It is Dread, Robocop, Total Recall. Mm-hmm. We can find a couple more, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure two more we could yeah. wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that's really my, at least at least my objective in, in looking at Verhoeven's directing style here. And uh, just again, the, the point is it is on great display here. Uh, I think even that being a saving grace for Robocop, uh, I say don't waste your time with it. Jump right to Total Recall because you're getting everything that was good about Robocop and guess what now it's just in a really very entertaining very fun and engaging movie yeah so very cool all right yeah I could really nerd out all day about this movie though because <laughs> there is just so much to dive into uh, and and really so much it tackles within a dumb blockbuster action film but uh, again there is a refreshing amount of creativity and originality to this film and if you definitely haven't seen it which I think probably a lot of people haven't seen in as far as modern day watch i haven't yeah uh give it a watch uh it is a it is a great time and a solid recommend from me we're gonna go ahead and give total recall a 79 oh wow 79 very very leagues good above robocop 79 is very good yeah almost touching mm-hmm. the 80s there absolutely that's cool that's good if you're just looking for if you're looking for that rated r action mm-hmm. a little bit of sci-fi go for it absolutely and it a like. very entertaining sci-fi yeah it's plot. enjoyable mm-hmm. yeah it's packaged it's just under two hours like you said it's an hour and 53 mm-hmm. good that's a nice little but nice little package there okay. <laughs> exactly very good okay so total recall with a 79 big movies this week mm-hmm. we're gonna keep it going here um we're eight years ahead here this is 1998 mm. everybody knows the name this is really a big film we got here it's a big lebowski by the coen brothers mm-hmm. absolutely last coen brothers we did was i believe fargo yes and this was actually sequentially after it i yeah. believe yeah yeah. yeah 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 so so the i mean the big lebowski what do we have how, yeah. how big is it here a a classic coen brothers joint yeah. uh yeah. written and directed both by them uh i guess one of them is uncredited yeah uh, uh, for, for whatever reason ethan cohen i believe is uncredited mm. but he does I wonder it's still, why. It's still known as a Coen Brothers yeah, yeah. Uh, picture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Honestly, I, I've, of course, seen parts of this film, uh, but I don't think I've seen it all the way through. Like straight uh, through where you're really watching yeah, it. Yeah, because I was watching it and I was like, I don't think I remember this. <laughs> uh, but oh, that's kind of nice yeah, then, actually. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and, and really, the next entry in their filmography after Fargo, uh, a huge hit for me and critically uh, on the podcast, with plenty of returning cast here, we have uh, actually a very interesting. A lot of the returning cast goes into a supporting role in this. We have Stanley Tucci. Uh, no, what am I saying? Stanley Steve Buscemi. Tucci. Steve Buscemi. Why did I say Stanley <laughs> Tucci? <laughs> but a lot of it is returning cast. They go into a supporting role, which is kind of fun. There, there's almost uh, kind of a shared, shared like to yeah, sign. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, shared spotlight for that. So, uh, Big Lebowski center rounds uh, center around the dude a bona fide loser a daydreamer a deadbeat and played <laughs> by Jeff Bridges um, I would say this is probably his most iconic role uh, to date I mean I think absolutely just because yeah. just the sheer power that this movie has I mean yeah. people 
people like even younger the movies you know pushing 25 years old almost mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it still has like presence yeah and, absolutely. and today people know people know the dude people know the movie absolutely i mean he won the oscar for um crazy heart mm-hmm. but it's like a movie that really nobody uh, yeah really knows all that much yeah exactly and this is way before he we get into western voice jeff bridges you know in this era of 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 southern <laughs> southern bell jeff bridges it's that true, still yeah. is, is, think is echoing today you know <laughs> well and speaking of that just like true grit was big for him yep yeah i mean he was great and we love him in some movies like like uh, um, hella high water Hella, exactly right no, no. but big lebowski i think i think bar none yeah that's his biggest role absolutely that people recognize him for. and he really is iconic uh i love his acting here his performance is comedic but also i don't know i mean you could very easily say that like a Keanu or 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 someone, you know, someone that's kind of more laid back could maybe fill this role, but Jeff really does make it his own and I think oh it's deserving of that that iconic. Yeah. He yeah. just he plays the character so well. Mm-hmm. He just mm-hmm. represents what it's what he's supposed to be what the character is written mm-hmm. to be. He just he just effortlessly, yeah. seeming so at least, just puts that out on film. Yeah, he's yeah, so good. Absolutely, a lot of that is physical comedy too. Uh, in this, uh, it's not like he's like tripping and falling, but he's around a lot of thugs and whatnot. So uh, violence is very much around this, and we'll get into that in a little bit for sure. When the dude is mixed up for a different Lebowski, uh, he gets tangled in with sh- scheming porn stars, wealthy businessmen, and low-life thugs all trying to scramble for a piece of the pie and that scrambling is what I think makes this a iconic clone Cohen Brothers joint yeah, uh, yeah. you know it's it's almost the same kind of skeleton that we looked at with Fargo that it's about this crime comedy genre uh, it is the sweet spot for the Cohen Brothers that they love to write it's just that I I, I I don't know. I mean, they, they obviously branch out later on in their career from this, but it feels like early on there's just so much there that they love writing about small-time crooks, and these small-time crooks are mm-hmm. goofy yeah. by being small-time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. it kind of, it's just a natural. It's just such a such a sweet spot for them, which yeah. is which is great. Um, you know, everyone is just naturally ridiculous, which is <laughs> which is entertaining. Performances are a big highlight here. Uh, John Good is huge a huge role but also a almost just as iconic as the dude i would say he's great yeah he's so Um, great in it philip seymour hoffman as well i wouldn't say a super early philip seymour hoffman this is what 98 98 it's Um, still pretty early but like got like some very legitimate laughs out of me (laughs) just because again so good it goes back when we uh, covered the the paul thomas anderson uh episode Mm -hmm, yeah Um, he's just not afraid to make himself look like an idiot and uh he's you know he's (laughs) He's just great. He's, he's so good. He brings just such a such a genuineness to it. Yeah, Goodman is actually, I think, the ace in the hole for this film, though, because uh, when it comes to how the plot moves along, it really is. He's he's central to creating these asinine schemes that that keep everything moving as a, at a clip. I think uh, without him, uh, the film actually probably would be quite boring uh, because the dude 
dude isn't really spurred to action. He's the dude. You right, know? yeah. He's, no, absolutely. He's just chilling. So it, it also represents really the comedy theme here in Goodman's character. Uh, the main theme, I would say, for all the comedic setup is confirmation bias uh, throughout the whole film. Characters think one thing and act wrong, and it's only when they reveal like <laughs> how ridiculous what their assumption was that's really the punchline. And right. I think it's it's great because every single character is messing up to some degree and they're all kind of colliding with their own assumptions of what they think uh, the, 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 the action should be or what they think the predictable story is. And it turns out everything is unpredictable. And I think overall what's refreshing about I mean, really, it's it's more of a comedy than anything, yeah. Big Lebowski. It is a very unpredictable story, which we go back to, what, a, a couple of weeks ago with Lost City. Key thing here was just that oh, it's it the was most predictable so predictable. Thing in the world. Yeah, 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 exactly. So It's great watching those pictures that it's just like, sometimes you have to, like, you know, watching The Big Lebowski for the first time is, I'm almost jealous of those people, mm. because it's so weird, and it's those moments where it's just like, what is this movie? Yeah. Like, what is this movie? What's going yeah, on yeah. exactly? And just that feeling, it's good. And like you said, it's comedy, but it's a dark comedy, mm-hmm. but at points you're actually laughing, like, mm-hmm. it is actually quite good, like, good actual out loud laughs, mm-hmm. and it's just unique for that reason. Yeah. And it's part of the reason why it's so special, I think, to still today. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, and and not terribly old. I mean, ninety eight's not not too bad. No, but there, it's, you know, so. it's twenty five years almost. Yeah. I, I would say as a slight critique to this this comedic setup, uh, it's a little bit rinse and repeat throughout the whole film. Uh, I mean, it it really is the punchline to nearly every joke in this film uh, that it's character has an expectation that expectation it couldn't be further from the truth and they embarrass themselves by you know uh, following through on that expectation i I would say it it stays funny but i would say by the end it is very noticeable that like this is the same punchline for every character and maybe it's because it is for every character um there is equal credit and criticism from me because clearly that's good writing that is very good follow through for the coen brothers you right. know they are lasered into this theme yeah yeah i like i said my uh, my, my note there was just that it was very noticeable by the end it was just like okay you know, going down the same road joke. again. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, the dude, as a deadbeat, has dabbled in his fair share of drugs. Uh, this film dips its toes into a few psychedelic sequences, uh, and I think in the late '90s, this probably standed out, uh, stood out a, a lot better, uh, a lot more shocking, a lot more funny. In a modern day watch, I felt it was kind of tame, and maybe this is because I mean, every modern day comedy now has a like a shrooms tripping sequence or the character eats a pot brownie or something like that, you know? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so, it, I mean, I don't know. Um, I don't want to fault it too much, but... It, watching it in the here and now, mm-hmm. it's, it lost its luster a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, there's certainly uh, craftsmanship and artistry in the in the, in the the psychedelic sequences, you know, because it's, it's very dreamlike and yeah. whatnot. You know, the Coen brothers are putting heart into it, but <laughs> like I said, in, in the wrappings of a comedy, 
it felt a little tame, if, if that makes sense. Sure, you know? sure. And again, because we're watching in the here and now. Mm-hmm. So we've had so many scenes and so many just, just sequences of mm-hmm. this already. Yeah. But exactly. like you said, if you're watching, if you were watching it fresh in 98, mm-hmm. pretty hilarious. I mean, yeah. the, song, the song is a great choice. Yo, and yeah, it's yeah. just, you know, it's pretty iconic. So, yeah. yeah. Actually, that's a good point. I don't have it marked down here, but I mean, we really do have a very iconic uh, soundtrack to this. Yeah, it's uh, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely on the tales of music or or soundtrack driven type of films in the late nineties. Yeah, Tarantino, you, your Scorsese, you know. Well, you made the comment in in the Paul Thomas Anderson, I believe. But was mm-hmm. it the um, oh Boogie Nights? Yeah, you said the Boogie Nights was yep. was phenomenal in the late nineties yeah. as well. That exactly. soundtrack. So, but just just very hot at the at that time, mm-hmm. and ninety eight definitely falls into that. So, uh, overall, though, I think this film lives up to the hype. In a lot of ways, the script is fresh and filled with cleverness that we know the Coen brothers for. I think my issue lies with more so the expectation with a story beyond the story, uh, like we saw with Fargo. You know, Fargo has just such visual storytelling, Mm -hmm. such storytelling through its setting itself that not even a single line of dialogue is promoted to. I can't really knock this film or fault this film for that uh, because it's really simply just not concerned with that. It's it's trying to be a comedy first and foremost. But let me say this to quell expectations for those that may have not, you know, watched The Big Lebowski. Uh, it's not doing that complex of a juggling act. Um, and rather, this much more is the comedy template that we see the Coen brothers lean on multiple times in their future career. This is the DNA for... For Burn After Reading, for Hail Caesar, uh, yeah, definitely. definitely for parts of Buster Scruggs, you know. Uh, so, uh, toning expectations back a little bit. I'm not calling this the best thing ever. It is very enjoyable. I think it lives up to the hype for Bridges' performances and and definitely John Goodman as well. Uh, and certainly worth your time. But I think uh, kind of a, a balance there is is needed uh, because I was expecting a lot more of a juggling act where it was just more so pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's, it's yeah because it's movie on its own. It's supposed to be its own thing, kind of. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So with that said, we will give the Big Lebowski a sixty-nine. Oh, okay. You were expecting more. I really was. Yeah. I was expecting around a 79 just because it seems like you really did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. I just, again, it was, it was, it was by the end, I think the, the, the punch mm. of the comedy kind of gets diluted a little bit and by its own, wow. by its own thing. But listen, 69, oh, you that's know still I mean? a, It's still a good exactly. movie. That's a good exactly. movie. I just, yeah, yeah it's still, it still surprised me a little bit though. Yeah. I yeah. thought it would at least be mid 70s. I mm-hmm. do have to say. Mm-hmm. But uh, 69, a good movie. Okay. Very good. That's the big Lebowski. And well, like we said, Ben, we have three new oh, yes. movies. It so is. I have been given, <laughs> I have given my money to too many theaters. <laughs> I've <laughs> single-handedly supported the industry. No. <laughs> no, okay, but two big ones: Total Recall, Big Lebowski. And before we go into our now in theaters, folks, we're just going to go ahead and go into our donation segment. Now, um, now we have a lot to talk about. So. No. <laughs> Anyone who caught last episode, or last week's episode, mm-hmm. um, I just put the little message out in the beginning saying we really had some massive problems with the site. Uh, for weeks, the site, the donation page was not working properly. Then it was working, but only for PayPal. <laughs> and we had multiple people trying to do credit card donations. Mm-hmm. It didn't work, even when we thought it was fixed. And look, for the past five weeks, we've been saying, oh, the site had some problems, but it's good now. You can go <laughs> right, on. Right. Total failure. The we importance were... of testing. <laughs> yes. Many different We were things. talking about shooting ourselves on the foot. <laughs> so I did say we wanted to take a moment to those who did, like, 
tried to be producers and mm-hmm. produce the show, and then we just stopped them, basically. <laughs> we just want to give a quick shout-out. So we do have Anne, was Anne A? Yep. Uh, they, they tried to sign up for, for a monthly donation for the Alien a Month, which is $9.20, because that's a 92 on the site. So we thank you, Anne A. Um, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe they're man overboard. Maybe we don't have them as a listener anymore. <laughs> Still, thank you for trying oh, yeah. to be a producer. And even one listen and is, our, you know. And, yeah. yeah, and our bad on we that. We appreciate it. Um, and then uh, Brandon Beebe tried to donate $100. Mm. So we want to give a shout-out to Brandon Beebe as well. Uh, his note that he read, uh, a short note he wrote in, he apologized for <laughs> for Uncharted for me. He was sorry for me for <laughs> Uncharted, which I appreciate. He said that he felt the same way about the Halo series. Oh. Uh, apparently a big Halo fan. Ooh, and, which, and that TV, I hear he's yeah, a dumpster yeah, fire. It's showing really his upsetting. face on episode one. Yes. It's not about anything. For many reasons, yeah, it yeah. was. It was. It's. A, it's tough. And yeah. for fans, I can only imagine with him being a huge Halo fan, of waiting course. what almost a, two decades, basically yeah, almost twenty yeah. years. I think that was like a, another one that Spielberg was supposed to do a movie oh, for. You oh, know, and, flirting for and, that for years. Um, um, oh my gosh. Um, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Poor, okay, Bruce Willis, which we're very sorry to see him leave the landscape. The yeah, landscape. yeah, it um, is. But no, he was slated to be in, in Halo movie really? like, oh, years ago oh. when it first got to play around. He was going to play uh, Master Chief and everything like that. Wow, wow. Regardless, so he did make a note and he said, Vin, go easy on Sonic as well. <laughs> so maybe we'll never see the $100 again from Brandon. <laughs> We thank you for trying to donate that hundred dollars. Oh, man. I hope we were hey, fair Sonic enough on two. Sonic. No, hey, Sonic Two. Sonic Two is a fifty-nine. Was halfway decent. It's a good movie. Yeah. Fifty-nine yeah. is a good movie. Absolutely, that's fine. It's an okay movie. Nearly above average. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so we want to give a shout out to those um, those two for trying yes, to donate, absolutely. especially a hundred dollars. Unbelievable. Absolutely. We thank you so much for trying to do that. And we apologize for all the inconveniences mm. on our side. Just the back end of the website It was and, a nightmare for us. And honestly, God forbid we ever run into uh, road bumps. This type of archiving. Uh, this this goes to also the running total for any of you that become the you know at a director level so we can make sure that we we track your engagement yes. with us yep. you know we you know there is follow through or or rather safety nets maybe I should say you know, so. I know it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah um, and then another donor who tried to donate multiple times and again with the failed transactions that we're catching um, they did get through as the site is working now they went ahead and they donated again a hundred dollars wow we're getting these hundred dollar donations <laughs> which is incredible. And if, if that's the standard, if that's the standard, go for it. Oh, sure. But as seriously as whatever you want, it yeah, can give yeah. us. It, it's huge. But uh, Glenn and Carol are here. Uh, they sent us a hundred dollars, man, and they wrote a note in. They said, "We really enjoy the podcast. You are both compatible behind the mics and feed off each other's comments well, <laughs> with the occasional banter that makes the show shine." Uh, which is a great, which is a great compliment, Vinny. You had me laughing with your critique of the DC Marvel movies. <laughs> Very fun episode. Gen- <laughs> generally, I think you guys are spot on with the ratings. However, oh, here we go. However, take out the knives, Glenn. Your rating of fifty-two percent for that thing you do is way <laughs> off. <laughs> so, folks, that thing he's you do on is- the site. He's doing his <laughs> he's research. On the site. Yeah. So, folks, that thing you do, we haven't, we don't have audio to it yet, uh, but it is on the site because we've rated it for we've had it in, in the uh daily ratings kind of file for, for quite some time 
Um, however, your rating of 52% for that thing you do is way off. He goes, is this a typo? <laughs> no, it is not, believe it or not. You mentioned it in your latest episode that maybe a 50 is so bad it's good comment. Uh, this cult classic fun movie is, in my opinion, definitely worth watching, he says. <laughs> yes, this was Tom Hanks' first movie directing, but in the movie he said to the band, I want something snappy. And he delivered just that with this oh, film. Oh, that's have, great. This, I didn't this know is Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. Uh, maybe this is Tom Hanks writing in. <laughs> He's not getting the credit. He's got an alias. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, Tom Hanks first direct, uh, wow. director. I think you do. Yeah, I realize it's uh, it's not in the ninety percent of all time, uh, <laughs> but this movie should be at least in the eighty percent must watch movies, or at least two shoes laces on one for Thomas. <laughs> there we go. There we <laughs> Very go. good. We got a real fan here. Uh, wondering if Vin would have scored it higher if your gal Emma Stone played. Liv Tyler's oh, part. I absolutely. I, I will. I will admit it. That, that is. That is my bias. That's sure. funny. Yeah. You would have loved it then. I think Emma Stone at the time was probably like four years old. <laughs> And even says in quotes, by the way, La La Land with a thumbs down next to it, by the way. <laughs> you also suggested you may have more comedies coming. Uh, would love to see some ratings on some of my favorite favorites, such as Slapshot, Animal House, Caddyshack, Anchorman, mm. Step Brothers. Keep up the great work, guys. I do love Step And Brothers. as avid listeners and now producers of the show, we wish you all the best. Wow. Uh, this was a great note. Yeah, uh, that is a Glenn stellar note. And we thank you. Hey, a little bit of praise in the beginning, and then you hit us <laughs> in the end. I love it. We were asking for it. Uh, yeah. A couple of weeks, we were saying. <laughs> Tear us apart. And this is actually great, by the way. So the end of the, and this is what kind of makes the donation segment fun. And as we mm-hmm. get into the show, I think people will start to understand kind of what the whole deal is here, mm-hmm. you know, what the donation segment is all, is all about. And we're taking some extra time here as well. But those comedies, by the way, that you said, yes, we do want to step up some comedies. Some of these, believe it or not, four and a half, five years ago, these some of these comedies that you had mentioned, such as uh, Caddyshack and Anchorman, mm-hmm. or, Anch- or at least Anchorman and Step Brothers, uh, those were on early, early lists. Mm. And we were going through this and looking on them and about to really like push the site out a little yep, bit. Yep. We said, you know what? These need a little bit more of a proper, proper mm-hmm. wash. Let's rewatch mm-hmm. those. So these comedies are actually coming soon. Yeah. And these are actually some great ones. Animal Shot, Slap Shot, uh, Animal House, Slap Shot. I mean, Animal House is classic. Uh, of course, that of on. course, absolutely. And uh, but no, but th- those are some great ideas, and I think you'll be happy because those are coming. Uh, that thing you do in the eighties, I don't know. <laughs> I did actually. I, it's a classic movie too. I like you it. Lo- yeah, the I don't story know. behind that is definitely uh, I, I did, Tom. I think you showed me that. You had. To I definitely have. did. Yeah, I, I definitely yeah. did. I don't know about uh, two shoes with one lace is tied. That's some pretty big territory. <laughs> but uh, no, that's great. We love <laughs> fifty-two. You gave it, which is great. <laughs> great. But okay, so again, we thank you so much. That's a hundred dollars. And uh, we, we can't thank you enough. And you are an official producer of the Daily Ratings. So thank you for that. And for people listening right now, if you're confused what the hell is going on, it's the producer segment. It's where we thank you producers who donate to the show. Vin and I host the show. What you all are doing by going to the Daily Ratings, you go to the donations tab there at the top, right? And you donate whatever amount of monetary value that you are getting from this. It's the value for value model. Are you getting value from looking at the site or listening to the podcast? If you could, put a dollar sign amount next to it. And then you could donate to us, and you can write a note in, like we just read from Glenn and Carol. If you want to be anonymous, you can click the anonymous box, and we'll know who you are, Vin and I, but uh, we won't say your name out loud. But otherwise, we're trying to stay away from advertising on the podcast, and we are also trying to stay away from advertising on the site because it can really bog it down, and it's just a worst user experience. I'm going to take the time now. I'm not going to get into my opinions and thoughts long-term on 
advertising on podcast mm-hmm. and how that model is right now. We mm-hmm. don't have to get into that. I could go on for hours about <laughs> problems or the future issues I think we'll have with that. Basically what this is, I mean, think about it. We're coming out with 52 episodes a year, basically. Mm-hmm. And if we have two or three ads, that is two, two and a half, three, three and a half hours a year of just us reading ads to you. It's kind of ridiculous. So maybe give us five bucks a month, five bucks a year. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, okay, we're saving you the, the all those ads and you are listening to us. Sure. We're not, you know, you don't have to pull out your phone every 15 minutes when we're throwing an ad and you have to quick fast forward and everything like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's what you're going to do to the ads anyway. Let's be honest. You're going to fast forward through them if you're anywhere near your Absolutely. phone. Absolutely. And it's just a different way of doing it. It's a value-for-value model. We didn't come up with it. We're not the first ones to do it. But it's the model that we're going after. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing is it opens up a through line to you. There's a couple comments I got. Why not just have ads because we're sitting here through a donation segment anyway that we're Mm -hmm. fast-forwarding through? Mm -hmm. The idea behind this is, first of all, we thank the producers and we give you a shout-out. But it's a through line to you. Do you have suggestions, critiques for us? Absolutely. But also, what this podcast is is bite-size movie review segments with a rating at the end. And Vin and I try, try not to have too... We try to keep the chatter to a minimum. We really do, because that's not what you're here for. Sure. But in the donation segment, if you want to get to know us a little bit, if you have questions on us, if you want to talk about TV a little bit, because it's not right. a TV podcast, yeah. this is a time to maybe ask us. Mm-hmm. You're taking the time to produce this show for us. You're going online. You're writing in a note and everything like that, and you're giving us money. That means something. Be producer of the show means something. If you want to have the most generic or weird questions or, or lot of left mm, field for sure, us, sure. let's have some fun. That's you know? the time for the dialogue, The donation, for sure. yes. It's fun because we can have some good banter. We can go back and forth with you. It's a through line to you, how you're enjoying the show, what could be better, and also, hey, ask us a question if you want. Mm-hmm. Talk mm-hmm. about TV, like the Halo and everything like that. We're going to try to keep it shorter. You know, we won't have... I won't be going on this long script every episode, hopefully. <laughs> but I'm just trying to, you know, I think there's some confusion. We're back after a few weeks, you know what I mean? And I think it's there's some confusion right now what this donation segment is. Sure, and because sure. we're so early on and not having a lot of donors, this this is kind of what it is. Get the feel for it. We give you the shout out. We read your note. We have some banter. We talk to you directly. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's what this is. Again, it's the dailyratings.com. Go to the donations tab that is now working. And you can go through <laughs> PayPal or you can go through your credit card, whatever. Put your information in. Finally, the transactions will go through, and that's kind of what this is. And again, as Vinny alluded to earlier, if over any period of time, with any amount of donations, subscription or not, if you ever hit $500 that you've given to us, you're now considered a director. So mm. if, if Glenn and Carol or if Glenn donates a total of 500 and he doesn't want to be called Glenn, he wants to be called Director Glenn or he wants to be called <laughs> director. director Hanks or Director That Thing You Do, um, that's fine. It's just another thing. You can, you can choose your name with the director in front of it. You'll get a goodie bag, a gift bag from us too. Too, and you also get to choose any movie for Vin you want to review. So if there's that movie that you really want him to, well, if you donate that much, no matter what, Vin is going to review oh. that for one of the podcasts. <laughs> he said it, folks. No matter what. After that, I, so. I, I'm shackled. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what this is all about. Uh, just to give everybody an idea again, dailyratings.com, donations tab. We thank you so much for all of you. And if you can't donate, hey, just tell a friend about Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Tell a family member More about us. Anything. And we thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we're going to keep this rolling here. We're going to go to our now in theaters. Three new, of them. Newly released. We have three. So these are all 2022 films. We're going to start with one that some people might know. It's getting some critic, uh, good critic reviews. Oh, yes. And very I, high rating. I, I don't really know what to think about it much. I don't really know that much about it. Mm-hmm. So, Vin, we have everything, everywhere, all at once. 
And what is this movie? Okay, yeah. So Everything Everywhere, uh, I'll just refer to as the first <laughs> first two because it's a little bit of a mouthful. But uh, this directing duo uh, has mostly stuck together for their careers. Uh, Swiss Army Man is their probably biggest oh. production. Uh, and, and this is Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. Yes, yeah. yes. And definitely uh, kind of, if you, if you know that movie at all, kind of sets their tone that there is very much kind of a goofy comedy core to whatever the actual movie is about. Uh, they also have roots going all back, all the way back to Adult Swim, uh, where they were oh, really? both some sort of producers or, or directors as well. Um, also interesting that the Russo brothers, uh, and I'm talking about like Marvel Russo brothers, they are yeah. producers on this joint. Oh, really? So yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, they are about the hottest thing you can have as far as a producer behind you. So I think that maybe huh. plays into some of the draw for this um, because, I mean, though they are definitely big names now. This movie isn't quite everything, but it is a <laughs> lot of things. Okay. It is a lot, a lot of things. Uh, I would call this a absurdist comedy with a heavy dose of martial arts action. Uh, Michelle Yeoh uh, stars as Evelyn, a Chinese mother that is seemingly losing control of her life and losing focus on what truly matters around her family, around her relationships. And that focus is further lost when she discovers she is the center of near-infinite parallel universes okay. <laughs> <laughs> and is able to snap into them uh, on command. Uh, it is an out-there premise. Okay, kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I would say for, you know, maybe folks at home, if you are the type to say Hollywood is dead, there is no original ideas, it is all Star Wars and Marvel, it is all blockbuster franchises... I gotta say, I mean, this is a big movie, uh, getting a lot of critical acclaim, and more than anything, a probably the most unique story we've gotten all year. So yeah, especially for um, a big title. Yeah, exactly. Also, with this being around parallel universes, is kind of a perfect match for the Russo brothers to get a part of because guess what? Marvel has been tackling for the last like two uh, years yes. is all these multiverses, portals, yeah, portals everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, it is refreshing to have kind of a dimensional multiverse plot not tied to uh, superheroes. There is a refreshing aspect to it. Oh, and I think that's a I want to give some, Yeah, I want to give some credit to this film for that reason. It's not burnout just yet. Okay, okay. Now, is this movie overall, is, is this, it, it's all like Chinese or Asian cast, correct? It, uh, it, nearly all. Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. Okay, uh, so this is, role. is it a Hollywood made film or there, is this a subtitle film because it was made in, in uh, China or no, Asia? No, 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 no. Definitely a Hollywood film. Okay. There okay, is okay. there is some Mandarin spoken uh, in it, uh, just to keep it authentic. But this is a twenty four. Uh, yeah, that's what I so thought. Yeah, because yeah. especially with all the American big names behind mm, it, okay. exactly. Gotcha. And, and and I again, much like if you if you know the movie Swiss Army Man by these directors, but also a twenty four. This is a very quirky movie. This yeah. is uh, uh, I wouldn't call it indie anymore. I mean, a twenty four is it has two spl- slots on this week's podcast. You know, and they've had a lot well. overall in the past yeah. past thirty weeks that we've been doing this. Uh, exactly. And they just had a huge funding 
playground for yeah, them. Yeah. They are a, they are no longer anytime small, small right, time or, right. or, or indie. I think they're really major. Yeah, it's major more so now. like indie by genre and styling, exactly not necessarily right. by scale. Oh, so. absolutely. Yeah. 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 So. Like, it's incredible their arsenal that they have now. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this uh, The main plot, though, around Everything Everywhere uh, is really around family uh, and is much more sappy in parts than I thought. Uh, I would almost describe this, uh, I, again, primarily an absurdist comedy. Uh, there, an absurdist is really how... Some I, bonker I, moments. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But good. I mean, it, it's meant for comedy. I would say second is, mar- uh, is this martial arts action film. But again, this is juggling quite a bit. And these themes of tradition, happiness, nihilism, fate, all of it is juggled around comedic moments and... I would say a lot of the comedic moments wouldn't land as well if they weren't followed up with something a little bit more genuine. These genuine family moments, they're sappy, but they come off very well because it's its not for a punchline. They're never diminished. It's, if anything, the joke and the punchline stands on its own. It's delivered to the audience, okay. uh, probably through some sort of uh, outrageous, you know, dimension. Uh, <laughs> and then as well, it's then followed up to kind of bring us, if you will, back to earth a little bit, back to normal. And I think that's really the key for success uh, in this because if it was just this absurdity comedy it i think it really wouldn't hit as wide range for audiences the core is more of a family drama around tradition and whatnot and the fact that a they... little bit like turning red in a way uh that that uh. was about family and tradition and expectation and things like that in ways there is a heart to it in the just the same <clears throat> way you come across almost feel good in in a good way and what you're saying is it's throughout the movie enough where it's it's grounded by this so the truly bonkersness it brings everyone back down exactly and it has something to to at least relatable. It is a necessary uh, balance. It is the salt in the baked cake. You know what I mean? It It keeps it from uh, being a complete insane movie. Exactly. That probably would be really not be great for the larger audience. Yeah, I mean, the absurdist, it would definitely be there. It would definitely be a sight to behold Mm -hmm. uh, to watch something so, uh, you know, so produced uh, and not tied to a superhero movie or anything like that. (laughs) So there definitely would be probably getting a recommendation for me, but this fits into a very good category for me because of the balancing act and it knows we need to have some sort of normalcy to bring us back a little bit, uh, even the slightest bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. Some of these can comedic moments uh, for uh, how shocking they are. Uh, I mean, I think some hit, some aren't going to, uh, going to hit. Uh, I would say the first act is probably the most grating towards this because we're not really expecting any of the craziness just yet. And because there is an ounce of normalcy to the world, this this kind of makes some of the weirdness a little grating uh, in the theater as well, I think is a perfect example of this. We got almost awkward laughter. We got people walking out in the first really? act. Yes. Wow. Uh, because I think this movie has a lot of hype and people are coming to see it for the hype. But that first act uh, shoots itself a little bit in the foot because it's not 100% weird yet. So the little doses of weird come off. It, it, it's out of left field. Completely out of left exactly. field. They're, they're, they're highlighted because of that. Uh, it makes an awkward pill to swallow. But once that pill is down, luckily by the time, I mean quite literally, exactly on the second act once it hits marked by how this is chopped up in the film we are in full bore on the premise uh, and the wackiness of this dimensional plot also the the audience is fully caught up on how 
the not the science but the logic of the multiverse okay. uh, in this film the audience is fully caught up so we're not you know we were expecting it and we can actually engage with the plot that's as good an yeah yeah you're aware what's you get what's going on yeah, yeah yeah you're not completely in the dark at this point exactly good. it's all it, it's definitely where the film works the best uh and i would say you know if if you are going to explore this film or if you haven't seen it yet give it a shot understand that that first act might be again kind of an awkward pill to swallow mm-hmm. but stick it through it is definitely worth it and certainly definitely worth it for how crazy and wild the ride is gotcha. here the so. water's a little cold at first but, <laughs> but, but stay in because it'll be fine Absolutely. once when you're in you'll be all right yeah yeah i have to say though um overall it is a pretty dynamite movie uh it takes uh, a multiverse premise like we saw in spider-man and 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 you know soon to be on the podcast uh the new doctor strange mm. and it just runs with it to such an extreme that even those blockbuster superhero movies they're scared to tread uh, and there's a, a ballsiness to it I love, like a confidence uh, too behind yeah, it yeah yeah uh, they're really uh going as far as you can expect with certain dimensions uh and it's really it really is my favorite aspect here uh very creative edits between universes uh hits sometimes carry over because the characters are technically living in all universes at once okay so we have some very Edgar Wright type of edits between hits and action cool especially when the heavy martial arts aspect comes into this film I would say probably second to just the bombastic present uh premise here of multiverses is that this is a kung fu like capital K Kung oh, Fu cool. action films. <laughs> like, awesome. uh, really I mean, obviously Michelle Yeoh uh, has a long line in that acting, I think Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and 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 even maybe, I think Hero. She, she's been in those type of movies coming up through her career. But uh, wow, uh, it, it, it it is really impressive. Uh, a lot of credit here goes to juggling so many different settings. Okay. Um, and the production is there to meet it. That's where I think uh, my note for the Russo Brothers producing is important because this is it has a lot i mean double digit uh you know different settings and costume design and it's a production this is a big production oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah, there is a lot to it Uh, don't get me wrong some are definitely more complex than others. Uh, you know, we have either uh, another office type of sequence uh, versus, you know, uh, something more th- blown out for the film. But you have to understand here, the sheer scale is very impressive and, again, leans into just a solid recommendation. We're talking like 30 plus unique sets on wow. here. Wow. Uh, and all the w- costumes are wild and it's just all very impressive. It is a sight to behold. So I'm very curious how this stands up with this test of time, both for as these multiverse type of plots come, is there going to be burnout? Mm-hmm. Is there burnout already? You know? <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so is this going to be the new time travel or, or sci-fi gimmick uh, to a lot of movies? And, and just see how it holds up. Uh, I would say another slight critique. Uh, I will say this film is a little bit exhausting for this reason, for how much of a juggling act there is. Yeah, we're talking two hours and 19. Yeah. You can fact check me on Yeah, nope, two hours and 19. Hour, yep. And that isn't, brief by any means (laughs) i did find myself checking the clock a little bit just because in those sappy moments i was wondering all right well where's this going yeah just really kind of 
You know, it's 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 more feel good than I expected. Okay. So, uh, and just so much is thrown at you constantly. So uh, <laughs> I'll say maybe not a movie for an older demographic because it really is just like a mile a minute. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's definitely like <laughs> stimulation overload. So it, equal part credit to that because again, there's just such a juggling act to the production. I have such an appreciation to the craft of that. Yeah, very. Know. It is cool. Think that about is. you know. Pre- production okay we have to do how many different costume sets you know it's it's a lot so what I think I want to end on actually is performances. I think the main cast is really doing a top-notch job here. Each of these dimensions uh, don't really have enough time on screen to give depth, but is it is again their mundane life, the normal family life that we see every character get a chance to tackle depth. I'm gonna mispronounce uh, my apologies. I think it's Ki Huang Kwan. That's no, that's my best chance. No, that's about right. <laughs> uh, who plays the father in this is a great example of this. His character just grows from boring moments uh, into something just so stand out and filled with a lot of emotion. I'm not really an emotional watcher, but I gotta say there really was some tear jerking moments around his character, and uh, again, totally unexpected in this very wacky, this absurdist wild, comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were so, tugging at hearts. were tugging at heartstrings, and exactly. well, exactly. Yeah. Okay, and, and that's where I think it kind of sells its own elevator pitch. That yeah, it's everything, everywhere when it comes to just ah. its zaniness, but it's also multiple genre juggling as well, which I think is a. More and more becoming a a defining quality of the movies we're seeing in modern day. Right. Uh, okay. Is is multiple genres at once. So, uh, also Jamie Lee Curtis as well. Uh, what goes from an unlikable IRS agent by the end gives her enough time to have emotional depth to match the other characters. I mean, really, uh, really interesting. Like I said from the start, I would almost call this a feel good film for how sappy it gets, and that could be a negative for some. How However, what was positive for me is that this film had the emotion beyond the absurdism of its plot, and especially for how unique the package it's wrapped up in. We're going to go ahead and give everything, everywhere, all at once, a 77. Ah, 77, a very good score. Very solid. Yeah, that goes into a very good movie. Wow, okay. So it really did take the hype. Well, let me let me let me tone it back maybe a little bit. This has and has consecutively had ten out of tens. Uh, I think sitting at like a ninety, something high yeah, nineties. So this is where I want to make a note. We are a film critic site and podcast here, mm-hmm. which means you're going to find you are critical on movies because mm. that's why we exist. One mm-hmm. hundreds don't really exist because if next week a movie that comes out better than that one hundred, what do you do then? Mm-hmm. You can't give it a one hundred and one percent. That's not how that goes. We don't do it that way. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in the 70s, for us, if you get into the 70s, that's a very good movie. Absolutely. High 70s, too, is a great movie. Oh, 60s is a good movie. 70s is a very good movie. 80s is when you're, like, seriously good, good territory. Make Mm -hmm. make time to go see it. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you know, if you've been on our site, once when you hit that 85% mark, these are some of the greatest movies of all time. These are true must-watches for pretty much any audience. The, um, if you will, the before-you-die type of watch kind of thing. Yeah, just like these these should be watched. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we have like 10 or 10 or 11 in the 90s. Those are movies that in the past 100 years of cinema, these are like the best movies ever made. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how we operate here. So when you're looking at, like you said, 10 out of 10s, a 97 on Rotten Tomatoes, it's Mm -hmm. just like, okay, really? There's not 3%, there's only 3% that could have been 
done a little bit differently or a little bit better. Mm -hmm. It's just like, come on, folks. And moreover, I mean, I think, well, of course, I mean, an older demographic is, you know, it's it's me watching the film. But I think maybe noting that at 97, this this movie is not because it's definitely not for one nearly 97 percent of you know the population there yeah, are yeah. some some viewing audiences that probably just flat out won't like this film but i i i think a 77 kind of in, in encompasses what I, where i'm coming from that yes. there is so much originality and, and you know i, I went on into it no so. yeah and, well and, and the, the fact that the 77 here on our site really means something it mm-hmm. means a lot more than a 77 on pretty much most other sites People forget that this here, the purpose of this is to be critical of movies, <laughs> give you a watching guide, a viewing mm-hmm. guide, uh, and that's where this stands. So a 77 is a pretty damn good movie, just like Total Recall is 79. Oh, absolutely. It's a very good movie. Absolutely. Again, I just want to make that distinction, too. Mm-hmm. Once, mm-hmm. once in a while, we try to make that. Yeah, Just absolutely. let people know where we're coming from on that. Okay, so 77 for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Now we have the, a movie that I was extremely excited for for months. I would say this and The Batman mm. was what I was most looking forward to for 2020 you, mm. for 2022 the entire year. So this is The Northman, mm. Vin, and uh, how, how was this? Yes, so Northman was good. A lot of scale uh, from the director of The Witch, which I was mild fan of director of the lighthouse which i was a big fan of we now mm-hmm. have the northman <laughs> not really a horror movie like the other two instead we get a hardcore viking fantasy flick uh, with a lot of brutality and a lot of style i'll go into it in a second i don't want to talk too much of a summary of this i'll talk in a, in a second about how straightforward this movie really is um, oh, okay. and kind of central to my critique but I don't want to dive too much into a summary. Uh, I think more so if you know you like Viking and Norse mythology as stylings. Moreover, if you like Robert Egger as a director and want to support one of the most stylistic directors working today, yeah, yeah. give this movie a watch. You know, this is uh, this is definitely a recommendation from me. A pretty stellar cast here. Uh, Defoe kills it, uh, like Always. usual. He he plays a character steeped in oddity, and it's just like. Wow, how, how many weird characters can we get Defoe in we before he dies? We love Defoe. <laughs> we are huge Willem Defoe fans. We yeah, really are. Absolutely. He kills it in everything. Yeah. Unexpected uh, to my enjoyment was Nicole Kidman, uh, who I'm usually not a fan of, but she plays the mother and the queen to our lead, and uh, just, again, uh, just a very strong performance in a, in a female role and female supporting cast for this. Much like, I mean, it couldn't be a different movie. Uh, than uh, than Total Recall, but uh, just a very strong performance from her. And if you don't like Nicole Kidman, I think she may not be breaking the mold too much. But it is good here. It okay, is, it right. is it is good. I would be in that that, that bag. Yeah, with the not yeah. loving Nicole Kidman. Exactly. But that's yeah. good that she's not only tolerable; it's mm-hmm. actually a good performance. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But uh, the big credit goes here to our lead, Alexander Skarsgård. Wow, uh, both physically and emotionally in this role. Physically, he is a literal beast in this. And wow, I mean, 
I, he, was, he was like born in like 75 or something like that. I don't know how his physique, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> he is jacked. Yeah, he is jacked. Oh my God. But like, <laughs> but like beastly, of... like, uh, I, I don't know. Like it, classic Viking. Like yeah. Badass yeah. Viking. Yeah, there is, uh, there is uh, some, it, it is not Marvel buff. There is a different type of buff to it. And I'm not mm. versed enough in, in you know, Hollywood uh, physique coaching. But yeah, no, there is something. Yeah. His, his, his traps are huge. <laughs> <laughs> but also emotionally, um, uh, he brings a lot of emotion in this film and almost a frustration in how simple his character is intellectually as a Viking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, there, there's there's really a good diversity there in his performance. And uh, I got to give a lot of credit here. He is a great lead uh, and I want to see more from him. Certainly a lot better than um, him and Godzilla vs. Kong. Uh, so uh, okay. <laughs> a saving grace. So. I forgot I was in it. Yeah, I did too. The setting uh, is the year 895 or 895 AD, and that is really sold not only by the look and the feel of the time period, but uh, as well, it's deep mysticism and the brutality as well. There's not really magic in this, more so a lot of rituals, a lot of paganism. Uh, it's very cool. I Some, think it's done pretty accurately, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. especially for Vikings. Mm-hmm. Some things feel like they come a little bit out of left field, but even with my basic knowledge of Norse, Norse myth, uh, Edgar's is putting a lot in into the research and the deep cuts into this writing. Um, if I can compare it to some of the sea shanty tales that he incorporates into the horror of the lighthouse, that is the same type of love into the mysticism here and the okay. rituals of this. And again, the the product of it is it's selling the time period. Uh, it's selling the setting, which is really good. Yeah. Uh, just in the it, same, the brutality is selling the setting. There is a lot of visceral action here. We've seen some um, Vikings on the screen. Oh, yeah, yeah. You are definitely seeing some Vikings on the screen. <laughs> and it, it really shows how villainous the Vikings were at the time. You know, these, uh, you know, some sequences are very intense. Uh, what's a, a, a tiny bit of a shame is that the plot uh, steps up and or, or I should say sidesteps this a little bit this brutality uh, because it's kind of hard to in the beginning to root for these characters <laughs> with how villainous okay. they are They're and so brutal, brutal. Yeah, yeah yeah but I, that was also more the interesting part for me because I was almost excited how do we craft a story it does get sidesteps a bit for okay. more of a straightforward story but Nonetheless, there are some sequences in the beginning that are stunning for that reason and how brutal they are. Very much a boy's watch, very much what you want out of a period piece as well. Yeah, I mean, I was almost getting nervous. When this came out, like I said, I was obviously I was excited for it. It was one of my favorite films or most anticipated mm-hmm. films for me. Mm-hmm. But it was like, okay, well, we have the we had the Viking show already that had multiple seasons and did mm-hmm. pretty well. We had Game of Thrones. You know, we've just been seeing swords on screen a lot oh, more lately. For sure, for so sure. I wonder if we, we were getting watered down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it's got enough punch and enough realism where it really is standing on its own mm-hmm. and doing a good job of it. Absolutely, it like. absolutely. Uh, where I want again, why I wanted to maybe avoid a, more of a traditional summary of this film and more so just lean into the stylings. Unfortunately, the plot really does unfold a bit blandly. The actual events and the conflict of this movie, sadly, are just a bit generic. Pacing as well gets hurt here because there are plot points our main character has that he can get what he wants. He The character can achieve the goal and then just constantly we are... 
there's just something in the way, there's a road bump, and overall, instead of the goals of our characters developing, we get frustration and road bumps to what feels like padding for the story, honestly. It just unfolds very predictably, uh, and again, padding is unfortunately where I come off with it, because there's moments that... I don't understand where our characters aren't acting a certain way if this truly is their goal of what they want to achieve. Right, right. Um, but it just kind of gets padded out. I think, unfortunately for me, watching this and looking at the script and the plot critically, they, they it just comes off as as distractions. You know what I mean? Wasted. Yeah, it could have been. Total you know what I mean? fat that could be cut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Skarsgård can get what he wants probably, you know, 30 minutes <laughs> earlier before the conclusion. Oh, so, okay. So, a, a logic-wise, not the best. Un- you know, like I said, ultimately it boils down to wanting more time for that styling in the world and i would say luckily visual storytelling is absolutely eggers strong suit as a director so where for most this styling of the rituals and the brutality would just be window dressing Mm -hmm. here it has a lot more substance a lot of care is put into subtle nods to norse mythos and even if it doesn't have a direct impact on the story there is substance there, you know, and I think for history buffs, I think for people wanting the period piece out of this, uh, that is going to hit in a, in a big way, yeah. even if it's a little bit more of a generic through line. So, for instance, our main guy uh, has dreams. Uh, Skarsgård, I actually forget the character's name. Something with an A. Alrund? Amleth. Amleth. He has these dreams of his family tree constantly, and the imagery ties into North myth- myths around Yggdrasil and the world tree and this is not even something our character as a Viking knows a word for because of his storyline but we're constantly seeing him playing a larger role in the fates playing a larger role in the North Norse myth that mm-hmm. he may have a story named after him one day you know so there's there's there is substance to the style if that makes sense yeah and I can see how like you said some audience really might like that because if they do a good job at setting up the world mm-hmm. and if people are really enjoying it I can see how more content would be nice, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, it is distracting from the main story. You exactly. Say, and it, okay. Yeah. And th- in in this, it is right in line with one that we covered, which was Green Knight. That there mm. very was more so minimalist storytelling, but all of it was visual storytelling. Right. Uh, this, in a very similar way, fits into that. So, would you be, could you narrow it down to saying done very well, mm-hmm. but not necessary. Done very well and saves what's otherwise would what what would be otherwise generic. I think that I care of, uh, okay. of style really, uh, thankfully, saves this film. Okay, puts so. on another level. Exactly. Okay. So, uh, I almost like I uh, like I said, I'm you know especially for the intelligence level of Vikings, I almost wish it kind of leaned into minimalism and storytelling with less given to the audience. Uh, you know, match the intelligence of the Vikings and rely more on that visual storytelling. Let's let's make maybe have them be idiots and almost silent and not talking a lot and it's all just them interacting with this you know this this ritual of the world and this this primalness uh, that they have in their war efforts that that's a preference but much like the lighthouse i would say uh, you know there is a lot there done to keep your eye on the screen and make sure that you are not looking anywhere else which yeah. is i think a good mark of a film so I absolutely agree completely um, uh, like the lighthouse as well i do have to say there is definitely some crass humor here uh, there are some <laughs> fart jokes uh, there is perverted william willem dafoe 
And uh, <laughs> I mean, I think it's still relatively in place with Lighthouse. It was two guys, you know, they're, they're, they're trapped on an island. Yeah, with this, just... it's just a bunch of bros. You know, the Vikings are definitely like yeah. all amoral bros that like they, you know, they'll go from like slaughtering to like partying. Yeah, <laughs> no, you know, that's, that's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's how it was. Yeah, exactly. So there's, there's, um, there is, it is, it is appropriate, but I, I did not expect to hear like a fart sound effect. <laughs> so, you know, just, just gotta, gotta note it for sure. Uh, it, it's kind of funny, but it's, it's also, I don't know, it's, it's shocking. <laughs> Maybe I. I don't know. I, I guess I guess fart jokes are coming back. So. <laughs> yeah, from the director, single-handedly yeah, single- bringing them back. <laughs> yeah, single-handedly. Uh, but I think this is a very solid watch. Uh, I would say, if anything, for visually alone, so much care is put into landscape shots mm. and the harsh feel of the time. The brutality, again, I, I can't I can't stress enough, is there. The the rituals, so much ritual is in this film, so much mysticism, and it's like, man, you know, uh, this isn't like what you would see of like a Knight Templar or, or Catholicism. This is like paganism, and there's it's mm-hmm. weird yeah. and scary. In that way, Robert is leaning on his horror roots to still give a lot of unique feels to his story. And totally appropriate. Like yeah, exactly. 100% appropriate. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, I want to give a credit to to that and, and how he produces, uh, the director, how he produces style that makes substance, even though the through line may be just a little bit more generic than I would have liked. We're going to go ahead and give The Northman a 74. Ooh, okay, 74. Yeah, this was a, maybe not the most exciting variance in the scores this week, but a very solid week. It was movie. Very solid. This was a, the 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 life vest <laughs> after the last two <laughs> the weeks. Last two weeks. Yeah, this, I was drowning. I was I was dead for like a solid minute. <laughs> oh man, uh, seventy four though. Uh, great score for the Northman. Yeah, I still I can't wait, and I can only assume definitely like a theater watch. You would definitely mm, recommend seeing. The I theater. you read my mind, okay. and 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 for you specifically as yeah. well. Uh, sound wise, mm. so good. Okay, so good. Cool. And like you said, just, just the beauty of of it probably, mm-hmm. and immerse mm-hmm. yourself a little bit. Okay. Exactly. Good to note there. Okay, so that's the Northman with the seventy four. Now <laughs> we have the kind of the much anticipated. I don't know. I, I think this has a surprising amount of hype. I didn't yes, realize how many people were internet for this. hype, and I'm seeing article mm-hmm. after article and a lot of Nick Cage stuff, and then this and that. I don't know if necessarily the seats are being filled, if the audience are necessarily in the seats watching. Oh yeah, but but it is really like online a lot and being talked about. Mm-hmm. We have the new movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, and this is Nick Cage playing Nick Cage and <laughs> what really are we getting here is this an exact replica uh, is it a fictionalized yeah. Nick Cage what, what what is this that's a good way to intro it uh yeah the Nick Cage movie we have all been waiting for where Nick Cage plays Nick Cage <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the intro I would say well sort of it is hmm, okay. there, there's definitely a character to him here he for instance has a fictional family and more than anything he's really cranked up to 11 here as Nick Cage. Uh, his character <laughs> is, man, it, it, it is it is self-referential Nick Cage. 
it's interesting. Uh, in the beginning, uh, up to the release of this film, I was actually following this a little bit because I found out that he may have not liked the portrayal or he felt that it was a cartoonish portrayal We of had him. talked about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we went through this. I think it was on the pig review or something like that. Or... That. And I even think like like off off air kind of. We mm-hmm. were discussing – because it, kind of, it was kind of upsetting where it's just like you had yeah. said where there was an interview with him or something where he mm-hmm. was just like – he wasn't thrilled about the role, but you mm-hmm. said he felt like he needed to for like fans mm-hmm. and it was being like – asked for mm-hmm. it was that still the case i i don't know i think he's definitely having fun with this okay. uh i i would just say this is definitely more so a a cartoonish depiction of nick cage than uh than you know we're getting a deep dive and and listen it is a comedy at the end of the day so right, right. I, I would say that's fine part of that amplification includes an inner nick if you will i believe his name is nicky <laughs> Um, that has a CGI de-aging face that is a little bit of a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> it is like a step back from uh, what we saw in the Star Wars. It definitely doesn't have Disney money behind it, but this de-aging is like, ooh, <laughs> a little rough. Uh, but he acts as a narcissistic voice in his head. Uh, he has a leather, leather jacket, a toothpick, uh, and he probably <laughs> looks at something out of like Nick Cage's earlier films like Wild at Heart or something like that. It's, right, like late eighties or nineties. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, and and it's funny because it's um, it's this blown out, almost inner voice of expectation of who Nick Cage is supposed to be, and it also is kind of his chaotic devil on the shoulder that pretty much forces him into all these bad movies. So the, <laughs> <laughs> this uh, this 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 character is almost an explanation and apology uh, of, of some of those some of those bad movies, you know. Uh, he's him thinking he has to do blockbusters and whatnot. Uh, I would say if the CGI did not look terrible, I would enjoy it a lot more. <laughs> but oh, it was taking you out of it. Yeah, it just looks bad. Okay. All right. Like I said, it is it is probably I don't know. What was the first thing? It was was Tron Legacy the first to do that de aging tech? I would say Tron is actually pretty. That was a good one. Tron yeah, is pretty early on. Yeah, it's 2010. Yeah. Maybe doesn't look as bad as Jeff Bridges and Tron, but or uh, does it look the same? <laughs> but the problem is, it should be better because it's been 10 years. Well, 10 oh, years for sure. Later, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. The, the the critique here is that it, it definitely doesn't look uh, industry standard. Right. And, okay. And you know, at, at that point, I honestly would have rather just like old Nick Cage in a leather jacket because I'm sure he could ham it up <laughs> the same way. You know. Right. Yeah, so uh, not not exactly true to life. Uh, what I will say is true to life is uh, Cage's ability to, or rather inability, uh, to turn down a job. <laughs> he, he just he's just a working man, you know, and, <laughs> and that really is his character here. Um, this lands Nick in uh, taking million dollar birthday gigs and working with the CIA and and plenty of info or uh, plenty of ammo for comedic setups in this film. I think the CIA side. Uh, with Tiffany Haddish is definitely what holds this movie back a bit. Thankfully, it's definitely not everything to this film, but uh, there's there's a little bit more of a ge- generic comedy kind of uh, spine to it, you know. Nothing special, nothing really yeah. doing anything yeah. that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, honestly, I don't mind Tiffany Haddish as an actress, but between this and even The Card Counter, uh, which was semi-recently. Oh, yeah, that did not yeah. do well. Yeah, uh, not the best. She is funny in ways, but yeah, it's it, the CIA plot thread. It just feels like they're just trying to put this movie on 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 wheels a little bit on okay. tracks, where I think it you know it could really go in a lot of different directions and and be a lot more creative for it. So. 
oddly enough, maybe a theme <laughs> this week is there is a big family element to this plot, uh, which I didn't expect from a rated R comedy film. Yeah. You know <laughs> what I mean? This, this film is filled with curses and... Uh, and gun violence and whatnot and, and drug use, uh, but uh, I mean, you know, it is it is dropping f bombs left and right. But we focus on Nick reconnecting with his daughter, with his fictional daughter. It's a little odd. Um, <laughs> again, not expecting feel good to be a a uh, a description of this rated R film. It's just a little odd. Yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't expect it, but that's not exactly bad. Uh, just how it wasn't really a bad thing with uh, everything everywhere. Mm -hmm. I think in this one, unfortunately, like the CIA plot thread in this, kind of keeps him on tracks. You know what I mean? I think this film could do a lot more if it didn't have this through line of creating a normal film. You know what I mean? Okay, sure. It's a love letter to Uh, Nick Cage. It is a love letter to lovers of his movies. And even, like I'll I'll get into a second, lovers of the movie industry in general. There's a lot of deep cuts for just pop culture fans and whatnot, uh, even beyond Nick Cage's films. Right, right, okay. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of weeds a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Movie industry stuff and kind of some industry jokes and whatnot, uh, production jokes. Okay. uh, Which I I think we're good, but again, this it's shackled because we have to have a little bit of an action plot through it, and okay. then as well, we're tying this into his daughter, and it's just like, okay, you know, okay, all right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, not the worst thing in the world, but uh, it, it's kind of what the shame of what could have been, yeah, uh, yeah. So, it's, yeah, okay. Like I said, uh, the comedy is chock full of callbacks to his career, even some good deep cuts. Uh, there is a shout out to Mandy, which I was really happy to see because <laughs> I was expecting, you know. Face off, Con Air, you know, of course, you know, the yeah, ridiculous, yeah. Uh, gone in the sixty rock. seconds. Oh, sure, yeah. sure. But it, I would say, almost every single movie he has done is checked. Uh, there was a box checked here. Not every single know. movie, quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Six <laughs> or seven a year, it seems yeah. like he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, it, it checks a lot of boxes, and I would say, if especially for your friend group. Folks at home, if you participate in maybe watching the So Bad It's Good style of Nick Cage movies, this is really great because it is it has the deep cuts of maybe God, why can't I think of the Curse of the Vampire? Is it Curse of the Vampire? Oh, I think so. Yeah. I think so it's Curse of the Vampire. Uh, but even like things like Mandy and whatnot, yeah, like yeah. nowhere near the public eye for, for Nick Cage. Right, yeah. But they're still making these call outs to it, which is is very enjoyable. Like right. this for, for the average viewer, okay, it's just part of the movie, but for some of those Nick Cage fans or the, you know mm-hmm. that Cageness, it's it's there for them. It's, exactly, yeah. yeah. And I think you bring up a good point because normally I wouldn't give credit to something so Easter eggy or even. At worst, like a Deadpool kind of pop culture reference. But but this is the point. Exactly. It is the whole point. You (laughs) know what I mean? He is playing himself. So uh, we also, it's enjoyable (laughs) because we have characters acting around Nick Cage like fans of Nick Cage. Right. So there's there's (laughs) an easy way for the audience to step in to almost, you know, uh, fanning out over Nick Cage, which is, uh, you know, if you got the opportunity to hang with him, you'd probably be talking about all the 
movies he's done as well, yeah, which, yeah, is, yeah. which is great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, acting wise, I would say besides Cage, Pedro Pascal is really great in this. Uh, he's got, yeah, I, I would say in the theater, he got some of the few really vocal laughs, uh, both out of me and uh, in, in the theater that I was okay. watching this in. Uh, and I just love seeing him in more comedic roles. You know, maybe he'll be cracking jokes Mando season three with Grogu, you know? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's really good. Uh, he's really good at this. He's, um, I don't know what it is. It's, he's, he's not afraid to make himself look like an idiot, and he still just looks like cool as ice, you know? And sure, he, yeah. He plays like this cartel lord in this, so uh, it's, it's a good match, and both are equally chaotic because this very much is about the buddy buddy relationship between the two Nick Cage and this and, this character. Okay. So but overall I, I really don't have much more to say. Uh this movie is a breezy hour and forty seven and too much of a deep dive will spoil some of the surprises in this, especially for folks at home that are Nick Cage fans. I mean these this kind of Easter eggy jokes. I mean, that really is the enjoyment of the film. Right. Uh, right. So I don't want to dive in too much. If you like Nick Cage, uh, this is definitely a solid watch for you, uh, especially if you are a, a an appreciator <laughs> of of his manic energy on screen. And moreover, I think this gets an above average watch for me because of the the movie lover quality to it is it is a movie for movie it, lovers it added something to it yeah, yeah very yeah. cool so we're going to go ahead and give the unbearable weight of massive talent a 65 a 65 okay yeah, solid yeah that's pretty it, it is that's that, that, like 65 that is a good movie absolutely that is a, that's a pretty good movie yeah all right 65% vin so well uh, above average yeah. and 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 worth your time very good, very good. I was playing coy a little bit. I have a Tommy Two Shoes. Oh my god! <laughs> I didn't tell you I saw this movie. You did not. No, I saw. I was expecting the Northman, especially. Oh, were you something? Were you I really was. No, nope. didn't see that. I foregone the Northman <laughs> to see the unbearable weight of masses talent a couple oh, couple days man. ago. Um, let me say. It was so good to be sitting in a movie again and <laughs> laughing with the other yes! people in the movie. And it was – if you're not the biggest Nick Cage fan, but I mean, everyone knows who Nick Cage sure, is, sure. this is still a good movie. I yeah. will tell you straight up, I really, really like this movie. Good. It was – I was surprised with how much I liked it. It was actually <laughs> funny, and the funny was funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a couple of things. One, uh, his kind of Nicky personality, the yes, devil, yes. devil on his shoulder. Yeah. The face was a r- little rough. Um, I didn't think too much of it, though. Oh, really? Okay, okay. Because what it came down to was, uh, because it's, it's a comedy. Yeah. And as I was like, all right, watching comedy, I kind of like it. It's funny. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do take your point of like, yeah, why don't you just use normal Nick Cage and yeah. put him in a leather jacket? But he got the go. point across that it's like this moral right. inner voice. It, it didn't bother me too much. Yeah. I, I really have to say, folks, I, for me, it, this was actually a very funny comedy. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. My thing where it slowed down and, the, and it put the brakes on a little bit, mm-hmm. the family aspect didn't bother me too much. Okay. I didn't mind it. I thought some points was very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the actress that plays his wife. I love oh, her. Oh yeah, yeah, she love was her. Good. She's in. Uh, she's in the show, the Amazon show, Catastrophe, yep, which is yep. hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she was great. I thought the daughter was daughter was fine, but the mm-hmm. daughter aspect of it, mm-hmm. I didn't mind too much. I think the movie was trying to be serious in moments where I wish it cut out the seriousness and mm. just more comedy. Oddly enough, I had the opposite thing with you with Pedro Pascal. Oh, where. 
Uh, he was okay. He was funny okay. sometimes, was fine. That's I right. found that me and my audience in the theater, at least, mm-hmm. what I was enjoying it with, was very heavy laughs with Nick Cage. Sure. Not a lot of laughs covered with, uh, with Pedro. To the fact of... When the movie was serious, like I said, it was failing except for Nick Cage. Nick Cage did serious and emotion pretty damn well. Mm. Everyone else I didn't really care to see. Mm-hmm. And I just thought I was watching some scenes where it's just like, this isn't really all that serious, but it missed opportunities for funny. Sure, sure. I would say there were three to four times in the movie where it's just like, there could be some really good laughs right mm-hmm. here, out loud mm-hmm. laughs that I think are, are just not happening. Mm-hmm. So I wish, I think it was dropping the ball in some comedy. And when it was serious with Nick Cage, that's when it was really good. Yeah. I thought he played emotion really well, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it went over well. And the laughs, I got to tell you, it was laughing out loud multiple times. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nick Cage was great in this. <laughs> really I thought the was. acting I really did. I found it hilarious. I was surprised with how much of a comedy it was and was mm-hmm. happy to see it. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I don't know, even if you're not the biggest Nick Cage person. Yeah. Which we kind of are a little bit. We're, yeah, oh, for sure. But, but I if, think there is enjoyment. I think this yeah. is straight up a funny comedy. Yeah. It's a funny comedy. And he does, I mean, right off the bat, he had me kind of laughing mm-hmm. a little bit. And like it was, it really was. I mean, every few minutes there was something to really be smiling, if not laughing yep. out loud about, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I enjoyed it to the fact of, I was really debating of giving this two shoes and one of them laced. Wow. I'm that, that close. Because if, if, if a Tommy two shoes with a full two shoes with both shoe laces tied, <laughs> if that's your 90s. I love the explanation if that's, so much. If that's your 95, it's like, that's crazy. You know what I mean? Oh, okay, okay. You know, I, I gave uh, the latest Bond two shoes, one, one what, tie. Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. And I would say in those in the moments where it's being serious, where they should drop it and mm-hmm. really just stick with the laughs, if they were going with more laughs and, mm-hmm. and, and didn't put the brakes on so much, I would say would get that. But I, I got to say, this is very easily for me a solid two Tommy Two Shoes. Wonderful, wonderful. I was surprised that much. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and talk about a feather in the cap in this film if it is able to, you know, is very clearly a fan film, if it's able to transcend that and be just a good comedy, that's that's a good accolade. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and more of all, Nick Cage, I didn't find cringeworthy. I mm-hmm. found him so enjoyable to watch. Good, good. Completely. Yeah, I think all the way through, he he maintains it. He's, he's, and even when he's trying to be more laid back, he's still like 100% he's still Nick, Nick Cage, Cage, you know? Um, you're right, but the, and it, it just falls flat sometimes. The CIA yeah, stuff and everything yeah. like that. Yeah. For sure, not a perfect comedy The plot or comes off a little bit more safe than, you know, than I would have expected yes. for such a wild. Film. I would say safe is yeah. pretty accurate. Yeah, a yeah. solid comedy. I'm glad you enjoyed it so much. Yeah, I think I if legit, you want to laugh, I, like always, a legit surprise. I really was excited <laughs> to surprise you with that one. I figure we're running along anyway. Why not? Oh right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> why uh, not? But awesome, Vin. Vin, we thank you so much for watching these movies. It was a great week. Oh um, yes. Do you have anything else to add? Or are we going to roll credits here? No, I think that's good. Uh, a meaty week. Uh, uh, definitely all solid across the board. Like I said, maybe not much variance here, but. But that is not a mark. You have a uh, almost nearly every one of these films, yeah. I would say, sit down and watch this week uh, while you wait for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Vin. Vin, thank you so much for stopping by and giving these ratings here. For folks at home, we're going to run it through one more time. We have Total Recall with a 79%, The Big Lebowski with a 69%, Everything Everywhere All at Once with a 77 The Northman with a 74 and The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent with a 65%. Again, we thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating or tell a friend about us. 
If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch, or if you'd just like to see more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com, where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the Donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you received from us. You'll get a producer mention on the next podcast episode, too. We're looking to build this into something large and great, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. Thank you.